about mothers. Uh, we've talked about uh, friendships. We've talked about keeping first things first and your relationship with God. We even talked about relationship with kids. What's God's idea for us and, and the, the reason there's kids in our life, whether they're your own or someone else's. There's a reason that there's kids that are a part of this big family. And we talked about how your relationship with Christ, it's affecting every other relationship around you. And to keep that one, and I continue to say that, keep that, keep that forefront in your life. Uh, love God, love people, love life always starts with love God to keep that in, you know, that, that heart you have for just worshiping him, for, for being here tonight. Um, keep that stirred up on the inside of you. Um, there's there's uh, a lot of times we think of relationships, we think of someone else. We always do because we're in relationship with other people, right? I'm in relationship with God, uh, my spouse, uh, Beth. I'm in relationship with my kids. I'm in relationship with you guys, my friends, uh, my church, my bosses, and, uh, you know, just uh, whoever else it might be, uh, my employees. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a relationship with all of these people. Uh, but today I want to talk about um, the, the strongest link, that, that's what I want to title today, uh, today's talk is The Strongest Link. Maybe you uh, may remember a TV show called The Weakest Link. Uh, you know where your team members vote you out if, you, if you're no good at the game. And it's like that, that lady looks and says, you're the weakest link. Goodbye. You know, it's real mean. There's nothing, and, and then they take the walk of shame and, and they're out. Uh, it's kind of backwards of like schoolyard pick when you're a kid and, you know, everybody's picking the teams and you're like the last kid standing there for the baseball, soccer, football, every team. But that was you? Yeah, you and me, right, John? Well, um, that, 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 this is the opposite of that. You're on the team and you just get picked off, you know, right away if you're, if you're uh, the weakest link. Uh, and, and I remember, uh, you know, back in the day, there was this game called Red Rover. Uh, if you if you ever played that, we t- we decided we went and did a kids camp once with a with a mission team. So we went to this kids camp and we thought we'd teach them the game Red Rover. Well, they obviously knew how to play. So we were all teenagers, and the kids we were playing with were like seven. So they would make a link, and we'd go and run. And the idea is to bust through whoever's holding hands with each other. Well, we slaughtered those seven year olds. It was no problem. Uh, they were all the weakest link. But then we decided to build a build a team, uh, a mixed team. So we put a seven-year-old between two teens, and then we'd play. Well, we had this kid. He's probably 200 pounds, and he looked, and he saw this one little kid, seven years old, looked like he was four. And so he was in between two teens. He's like, that is definitely the weakest link I'm going for there. It's Waterbrook Farm Camp. He runs straight towards him while the teenager just decided not going to let go. Broke the kid's arm uh, going through. That was the end of that game. But that was, you know, the weakest link wasn't even the kid. It was just that one spot. And and, uh, the reason I talk about the weakest link is any relationship that you're in, no matter who it's with, if you think about your life and all the relationships you have, any one of those relationships is only as healthy as the weakest person in it. So tonight and over this weekend, what I want to talk about is what if it's you? What if you're the weak link in in the relationships that you have? What if all of the chaos in the relationships is happening because your relationship with you is is out of whack? Uh, And we want to talk about, rather than focusing on the negative, focus on the positive of how you can become stronger, uh, become a stronger link. It's time to kind of take a look in the mirror. A a couple years ago, we did a series, uh, and we talked about a three-legged stool. We had Grant brought one in. It was pretty awesome. And we talked about how each one of those legs represents something in your life. And I kind of want to share the same uh, idea tonight is that it's, there's three things in, in, in us that affect us, and, and in, in those three things affect every relationship around us. So I want to take, take a look at, at that. If you've you got a three-legged stool and one of those legs is missing, you're crashing every single time. So it's, uh, you want to make sure you have all three uh, of these things in place. So number one, if you're taking notes, we're going to give you a bunch of just thoughts from the, from, from the Word of God on, on our lives. Taking a look at the mirror of what's the relationship with me like? Uh, 
number one, significance. Significance is one of the, the legs, the deep need inside of you, inside of every one of us, to know that we matter, to know that we're important, to, to know that uh, in some way we're significant. And the uh, majority of people on our planet, the ones you're in relationship with, don't feel that deep sense of significance. And, and the, the thing is, if, if there's no sense of significance on the inside that's, that's there, we end up looking for it somewhere. We try and find that thing, that why am I here? I'm a somebody. I got to matter somehow. So what is it? What is it going to be if it's, not, if it's not already there? And we try to find, you know, p- people use all kinds of different things. But there's a character in the Bible who tried them all. Uh, Solomon is a great example of a person who, who, uh, who did everything that you could ever desire to do and got to the end of it and could tell us exactly what happened. Um, Solomon had money like crazy. Uh, uh, it says in 1 Kings that, that in one year he had 46 tons of gold. My, my Uncle George would probably know the value of 46 tons of gold. Come on, right off the top of your head, it's worth $2 billion. Just saying. $2,800,000 worth of, of gold he makes in a year. That, that's, that's crazy money. That's squillions by the time he adds up all those years of his life together. He's loaded. None of us uh, are, are going to probably have the opportunity to get that rich, you know, to find out what it, what it takes when you arrive there. When you have all the money you could ever want, what does that feel like? We're all in the rat race trying to get there. And, and that's the, the one thing that you can learn from Solomon, which is so healthy for us, is to realize that somebody who made it all the way there uh, found out what it was all about and realize it wasn't enough. You can never be rich enough to buy significance. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, it's still not going to do it for you. I don't know if you read the news this week. There's a guy, uh, I, he's a Saudi prince. His name is Al-Walid bin Talal. If you're listening and I messed that up, I'm sorry. But uh, he's ranked 26th richest person in the world in Forbes magazine this year. And then, you know, that's not why he's in the news. The reason he's in the news is he's suing Forbes magazine now for putting him at 26 because he thinks he should be in the top 10. That tells you something that, that here's a guy who thinks that, hey, my money means something. If I'm 26, I mean, that's amazing, but he has to be top 10. Why? Because even at 26, it's just not enough. You can have all of it, and you'll still feel like something's missing. So if the something's missing inside, that significance is missing, money's not going to do it. Solomon had the money, but he had everything else, too. He had fame like you wouldn't believe. Everyone from all over the world wanted to see this guy. Uh, they traveled hundreds and hundreds of kilometers on camels to, uh, to get to, to see and just listen to him. Uh, he had business. Uh, it talks about all his businesses in uh, First Kings, and he was like the CEO of all the top businesses. So Apple, PC, um, Dell, whatever. He, he ran them all. Uh, he, he was that influential and had that kind of power in, in his country. He ran everything. Um, academics, he was the smartest kid in class every year. You know, he, uh, he, he just was. He prayed for wisdom, and God gave him a gift of wisdom. So he never had to guess at things. Nothing stumped him. People came to ask him really difficult questions, and he'd just figure it out. Why? Because God had blessed him that way. So he would have had, like, letters, you know, in front of his name and behind his name. And he, you know what? Some of you are like, man, if I had that, if only I wasn't like, you know, from, from the short bus or from dumb school, like we used to call it when I was a kid. You know, if only I was like, if I could say that after I went to school, I could write these letters behind my name, I would feel significant. I have a friend of mine who I know that when he sends me an email every time, there's about this much, no word of a lie, of all of the credentials and letters and accolades and everything. So every email, I send him a quick thing, hey, we good for coffee on Sunday or Saturday, whatever, and he sends me back, yep, 7 a.m., and that email is this long. Because all of the accolades are all on there on every single email. And yet, knowing him personally, he is one of the, the least uh, uh, f- 
feelings of self-worth and feelings of worthiness on the inside that we has all the letters to follow it. I know other people, they, 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 uh, I spent a lot of time in Bible school. And you wonder, say, you know what, hey, some of you asked, why don't I, uh, why don't I go by the term pastor? Because the, kid, the uh, kids, well, they were adults. I was the youngest kid in school. But all the adults who were like just this desire to be called pastor. And as soon as they graduated, my buddies who were like, hey, Brad and Tim and John, they were like, no, now it's Pastor Brad, Reverend Tim. And I'm like, what? I mean, a day ago, we were still taking the same test. You know, we were, we were buddies hanging out playing soccer, but now it matters. You know where they study? Now, now you have to call me Dr. So-and-so. I'm like, sheesh, you know, you're the same. Why? Significance. If, if there's this feeling of, now I matter. What is that? That, that part that, that happens. But you know what? Even though all those letters, all that stuff, it doesn't do that. You know, Solomon had all the toys. He had all the sexual conquests that, that, a, that a, a person could hope for. He had 700 wives, 300 girlfriends. I don't know how his wives were okay with that. But uh, he, uh, this guy, he, he did everything. And yet, you know, all of those things that people in our day and culture would say, yeah, if I just did that more, if I had more of that, or if I was, you know, a little bit more popular, every one of them is say it doesn't fulfill or put something on the inside that, that's a genuine craving in every person. So in our relationships with us, we need to look at the spot of, inside of us and say, do, is this idea of significance, this leg of significance in my life, is it strong? Is it standing strong? Because Solomon had all of it and it was empty. Um, you can look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. I don't know if we got that one. Nah, it's all right. All it says is, I did everything. I did everything my heart desired, is what Solomon said. I spent everything I could. I, I chased every dream I had. I accomplished all of those things. And in the end, it was vanity. It was like a breath of air. It was worthless. Why? My question for you tonight is, are you chasing any one of those things, looking for significance in your life? Because if Solomon got to the end and found nothing, I promise you the same will be for you. You will chase it to the end, and fine, nothing. You know why? Because significance cannot be achieved. We've talked about this before, but I pray that it, 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 it just settles in your heart that uh, tonight I'm not saying go work on becoming more significant because that's exactly the opposite of how it works. The, you know, the Bible just teaches that significance is something that is received. It's something given, bestowed on you. When we were created, uh, it was God who, who uh, created us with that inner need to be, to be um, given value from outside of ourselves. His idea was that he would be the one who gave us value deep down in our soul, that we would feel special and, and loved and, and amazing and, and uh, uh, valued, important, and wonderful. Do you feel those things about yourself? Do you think God feels those things about you? Good. See, the good news is that God can't love you any less, nor can you impress him anymore. We learned about that in Galatians. What an amazing, amazing thing. But how many of us still try it? How many of us still try and say, you know, there's, there's something inside of us that wants that? You know, when uh, the Bible just says, too, when you're a sinner, God showed his love for you. It, he, he loved you when you were in the biggest mess of your life. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that. He demonstrated his love by giving his son. So when we look at that and remind ourselves of it and realize, yeah, that's who I am. I'm God's kid. What else can possibly compare? The thing is that significance is received, but it's only received by being believed. If we don't believe it, you can't receive it. You know, you ever have that person, you tell them, oh, they're wonderful, they're so nice, but if they don't believe it, you can give them a thousand compliments. They're still going to think that dress doesn't fit. They're still going to think that, you know, their hair just, just didn't work out today. They're still going to think that, you know, they're, they're not worth something or they're not loved. Why? Because they don't believe you. 
So they can't receive anything from. And for, for those of you, I believe it's one of the great, enemy's greatest tools, is if he can attack your significance, he, he, he wrecks everything that God died, gave his life for, to pour into you, that you would uh, be able to know what God thinks of you. The fact that we've been redeemed, we've been uh, forgiven, those are huge, huge things. The, the, the idea of believing and receiving is this, that we would know what God thinks about you. And, it's, it's, uh, and, and then believing what he says. I love John Stanga's whole deal here. If you're not on the 31 days, uh, of the 31-day challenge yet, yeah, I encourage you, go talk to John after and say, hey, add me to the list. You get an email at 7 in the morning. It does wake me up sometimes, but it's worth it. You know, I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, you know what? This is who I am today, and I begin to meditate on that and realize it because it's more than positive thinking. You know, if you drive down Highway 6 to... Uh, what's the malls and, you know, Ancaster there. If you go down there, there's the bypass. And somebody is spray-painted over the bypasses on your way to Hamilton. One of them says, believe. Uh, then the next one says something about you're amazing, I think. And the last one is, trust yourself. And it's these thoughts. Oh, that's so nice. You know, that's really, really good. But, you know, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't. What we're not talking about tonight is this idea of, of having uh, some confidence in yourself. It is, or, or trying to just positive think your way out of the, the issues you're in. He says the only way is when you actually believe what he says about you. I love it. Jo- even uh, the things that John sent the, uh, this last little bit, you know, in Romans chapter 8, he says that you're his child. If you have kids, what would you do for your kids? Man, I would do anything for my kids, pretty much. I, I, I would, you know, for my, for my kids, there's something there that says, man, I want to bless these kids. I want to uh, be there for them. I, I'll Reese last night, um, she's like, um, her love language is touch, which is like, it's great right now when she snuggles. When she's dating, I'm going to be like shotgun, you know, because uh, this, uh, this kid, but it's, that's, she's, she gets mad at me for not snuggling enough. I'm like, put my arm around her. We're watching a movie last night. She's like, two arms, dad. I'm like, okay, you know, and then I snuggle her for like half an hour. She's squirming to get away. Uh, and I was like, no way, because I'm going to fulfill that, that, that uh, longing inside of her. Just let her know how loved and, and, uh, she is. Um, but you know what? We think about that, that God has that for you as well. That same, that same thing. That's why he's talking about it. He talks about Ephesians. You're his masterpiece. You're like a work of art that he is impressed with. You know, for, for some of you, you're the Mona Lisa. For others, you look more like Picasso. But he's still proud of you. There's something about that he just, he just loves. But do you feel that way? When you look at yourself, do you go, masterpiece? He says he's your friend. You're in right standing with him. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're a new creation in Him. You're an overcomer in Him. You're not a loser. You're a winner. All of these thoughts are fantastic, but unless you believe them about you, you will not receive that benefit of significance on the inside. That, that leg of the stool will be short uh, in your life unless you believe it. If you don't have that sense of who you are, you'll go into every other relationship half empty. It's like my, my coffee cup here. You know, it needs a refill. It's half empty. If I go and I'm like, you know what, hey, this is, there's something in me that still needs something, what happens? I go up to you and if any, anybody else got coffee? No. Well, if you did, you'd pour your coffee into my cup because you're like that. And you would fill this need that I have in my life and what happens to you? You're empty. But as I'm continually empty and continually sucking from you everything that, that is going to do something in me, it leaves, it leaves a relationship empty. That's the thought that uh, he's saying, you know, in, in all of your relationships, he wants to fill that significance in you, period. You are not significant because of who you're married to. You're not significant because of, you know, who you can date. You're not significant because of who the cool people you hang around with. Maybe in high school, it's like, man, I got to have that friend. Doesn't, 
none of that will ever do it for you. You will, you will draw on them for something they cannot do for you. So when we sometimes look at our relationships and go, yeah, man, I'm having some trouble in my relationship. My question for you tonight is, is there a possibility that significance is missing on the inside? Because that can be something that he can do in your life. The second leg is authenticity, being authentic. Um, it's, uh, if significance is the, the leg that says, hey, I'm right with God, I'm good with God, then authentic is the, the leg that says, I'm right with me. I, I'm right with who, uh, who I am. Um, most people, really, they try and be somebody who they're not. You know, they have this idea of, that's who everybody would love to see, so I'm going to try and be that person. And usually it starts out as kids, but it, it morphs its way through. You know, if you work for somebody, sometimes it becomes this idea of, that's who you're going to be. As a pastor, it can happen to me. It can happen to anyone. This idea of this is who I'm going to be, and yet, you know, or, or you come to church and you want everybody to think you got it all together, when inside everything is going wrong. We can't tell. I mean, you guys look pretty perfect here tonight, to be honest. Man, maybe this is messages for the Sunday crowd. But, uh, you know, this, this is thought that, uh, that there's stuff just going wrong on the inside, but we can't tell. You know, without being authentic, you can never admit that you're wrong. Of course we can. We're always right. Never wrong. But it's just healthy people. They never pretend to have it all together. You know, and I, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing how many times, especially in the last little while, that I've heard people say to me after they've just sort of bared the heart, shared their weaknesses, and said, you know what, man, it feels like such a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Why? Because we've never been designed to carry that. We were never designed to have to be perfect in, in and of ourselves. We were designed to be us. You know, it's a stress reliever when you can just say, you know what? I got some issues. I, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm weak in some areas, and I can talk about those things. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this in the Amplified. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray for one another, that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available that's dynamic in its working. You know, there's this idea of just this mutual thing of saying, you know what, we can confess to one another. Sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's just, you know, weaknesses or, or, or our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Things that are, are in our life saying, hey, you know what, I'm just going to be genuine in the hopes of of allowing uh, myself to be me, and in that Christ bringing change. You know, without, without being authentic, prayer is a, is a difficult thing. It really is. You know, it's um, one of the things I realized, too, is we can't really become authentic, you know, genuine who we really are, if we're not aware of or not open to people uh, revealing blind spots in our life. Blind spots. You know, if I, we all have peripheral vision, you know, it's like you can walk into a room, you can kind of see everything going on in the room. Women have it way better. Guys go into a room and check out girls, their wives see it right away. But women, they just have this thing. They can check out every guy. You never know. Uh, but there's, there's this thought of if you, if you put, your, put your arms out or whatever, you know, I can sort of right now without turning my head, I can see my, yeah, I can see my thumb right here, uh, right here. And, and out on this side, I can see that. That's about all I can see is this. But you, every one of you can see everything in my blind spot. You can see everything about me that I can't see. Uh, you know, there's, the, there's re, the close relationships in your life, the friendships that you have, the ones who know you. They can see the blind spots in your life, and they should be able to talk to you about them. Friendships go awry when, when there's this thought of, no, nobody can, nobody can look or speak into my life. Beth and I, 
We were talking about this the other night, talking about priorities. And, you know, I was like, I had been realizing that this is an important thing in my life to say, you know what? Yeah, it cuts right sometimes. I don't like it all the time. And yet, as she speaks about the things she sees, I can become better because of it. Why? Because it, there's an openness to, to, to allow that. You know, uh, it's the enemy that we can't see that's the most dangerous in our lives. It's the enemy you can't see. Many of you know your weaknesses. You know those things, and you're watching those things. It's the ones you don't see that can just blow you up. Yeah, anybody see the movie The Blind Side? You know, came out a while back about the football players. It was the, the story of uh, Joe Theismann and how he, um, he was, uh, in a four-second clip, was the end of his career. Why? Because he got hit by, by one of these big guys, you know, uh, who broke his leg. Uh, right, right in that uh, span of four seconds. Why? Because he never saw it coming. And so after that play, they decided we need football players who are going to watch for that and make sure that doesn't happen. Your greatest ally is the blind is the, is that that uh, that person who sees that in your life and and does something about it. Do you have those people in your life? And the the the, the chances are that if you don't. You got an issue in the inside with being authentic. There's a scary part of that. Um, you know, the greatest fault is to not recognize one in ourselves. I thought, what a great thought. The greatest fault is to not recognize one in ourselves. You know, some blind spots in our lives that people can see, and I'll give you a few here. Sometimes we're blind to, to our selfish side. <laughs> no one wants to hear that they're selfish. You know, you tell little kids, you're being selfish. I don't care. It's mine. You know, uh, the, my kids all the time, it's like the, the, some age we're going to get to that spot where we can have this conversation. They're going to change. I, I know it. But we, none of us ever like to hear that. But we need to. You know, and to realize that if that's, a, if that's a blind spot in my life, that in that I would deal with it by dying to it. You know, if maybe the, maybe the blind spot is, is a strength in your life. Maybe you're blind to the strengths that you have, and you're spending all your time working on your weaknesses and working on the areas of your failures. And, and you know, life is miserable because you're just trying to— be, life has not been designed to be in a, this, this perpetual mode of getting fixed. It's, it's not designed to be that way. God puts strengths in you that are unique to you, that you're really good at, that you, maybe you don't realize. But friends can look in and say, hey, here's an area of your life, man, you don't see. If you would just do more of that, it's going to bring happiness into your life. That's the way you've been designed. Uh, there's this, this other thought, you know, uh, of, of focusing on those things. Chris Stone and I, the guy who plays guitar, we have this uh, relationship when it comes to music. We chat back and forth with each other. Hey, this is what you're doing good, and this is yeah, not, so, not so much. And, and working back and forth, and it, it helps to just begin to, to love and appreciate each other, but also the gift of, uh, of what God has given us through music to be able to use that. You know, sometimes uh, you, you get blind to your strengths, and others can help you with that. Maybe you're blind to your ego. You know, this... Uh, your, your whole idea of God confidence is, is self-confidence. It's, it's all about you. That can catch us so many times. How do you, you know, you know these people when they're telling a story and they always got to one-up you. It's like, oh yeah, well, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, I know about that, but I did this, you know, and, and every conversation turns to them. This is actually one that I hate in my, about myself, is that there's, a, there's always these times that I see this even in myself, that somebody pointed out, says, you know, it kind of happens that, that it always turns to you. You know, we're at a funeral, you see people who are crying like crazy, and then I'm talking to the person, so how would you know? I didn't know them, they're just from my town, and they're, they're crying because it's all about them, you know, and hopefully people are going to come and comfort them. It's not even about the guy. Uh, there, there's the, the, the thoughts of ego being in there. Sometimes it's motivation for our emotion that we're blind to. We don't understand why we feel the way we feel. We don't understand why we're angry, why there's shame, why there's worry, why there's offense. You know, some worry so, so much, and they don't even realize they worry. That's their just normal life. 
but that can be a blind spot that's uh, destroying you. Some are offended so easily. You say the wrong thing, and they don't talk to you for a year. Why? Because a blind spot they're not ready to deal with. You know, a lot of it has to deal with our thoughts. What are you thinking? What are you thinking right now? Did you realize that in the last minute, I've maybe said about uh, 120 words, but you've thought 1,300? 1,300 words every single minute are going through your mind. It's thinking is your, is, is, uh, well, here's the definition of thinking. The talking of our soul with itself. What's going, what talk is going on in your head all day, every day? 1,300 words every minute. For women, that's 2,600. Physically present sometimes, mentally absent, because your mind is, is racing and rushing. A lot of times we think, man, I didn't realize there was that much going on in there. Well, they say that, you know, measuring some of this stuff, they're thinking of, and, and tracking some of what your thought patterns are and the processes. They realize that about 70% of what you think every single day is negative. 70%. So if you're not really thinking about what, how you're thinking, you may be making uh, 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 judgment calls on people, reactions, purchases, all kinds of things based on this negative uh, talk that's going on in your head. And he says to be, to be aware of that, um, it, it's one of those things where, where uh, a, a part of being authentic is realizing, you know what, I do have the tendencies to do that inside. I do have the tendencies that my mind will rush and wander, and it's the enemy's playground sometimes. And to realize that, you know what, God's given you this, this ability, this uh, opportunity to say, I'm going to put some di- different thoughts in there. I'm going to pray before I start making things. Someone treats me uh, wrongly, I'm, I'm going to take a chance to, to uh, respond to that rather than to react to it. And he says, there's the thought you can't do that unless there's um, a, a, the, the openness to be authentic. You know, the, the, there's a ditch of authenticity. There always is. Actually, there's two. Every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Don't fall into the one of where you're like, yeah, I'm so authentic. I'm just good. You know, I am who I am. I can't change. Like it or leave it. You know, because they're going to leave it. I, I just promise you that. There's this, the, the thought of that Holy Spirit's always wanting to bring change in our lives. And the last thought is this selfless giving love. Selfless giving love. Much of what we call love today is the opposite of that. It's selfish in its motive. You watch the movies, you, you, you watch all those things. There's always this idea of somebody's gonna, trying to get something out of, out of what they call love. Um, it's, not self, it's not the selfless giving type. It's what am I going to get out of it? You know, we love those who love us. Why? Because that's easy. You know, uh, but when the going gets tough, well, quit. You know, it's, it's the thought of, you know, the, loving the things that make us happy. Ice cream, Xbox, nice people, money. You know, we love, we love the things that, that, that do something for us. We love getting gifts at Christmas and birthdays. You know, we love with strings attached. I see that starting in our kids. You know, my kids are, are like, uh, you know, I'll love you if uh, you do this. I'll love you more, Dad, if I can stay up five extra minutes. Dad, I'll love you more if you tell us two stories tonight. You know, or like, hey, son, uh, it's time for the Xbox to be turned off. I hate you. I'm like, really? You know, uh, of everything I do for you. I remember my dad's thing, you know. I, I just knew someday I'm going to get to use that. You know, I, I get to put a house, a uh, roof over your head, feed you three square meals a day. You know, I, I work my butt off over at the church so that you can have food on your table and, and even have an Xbox to play. And he's like, what? He's like, he's too young for that conversation. But, but the, 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 the whole thought of that I could hate somebody just for just for because it, it doesn't make me feel good selfless giving love. We've been designed to be givers of love. It's, it's, it's how 
our internal wiring is. And when we live in that, it, it does something in us. You know, um, until we have significance and authenticity sort of figured out in our lives, self-giving or selfless giving love is really difficult. It is because we're trying to find that from everybody. There's a professor who had his class, and he said, I want you to do two things. This is, a, this is um, for, your, for, your, um, for your class grade. He says, I want you to go out, and I want you to go out and do the thing that you love doing the most, whatever it is. Go fishing, eat pizza, you know, whatever it is. Go watch a movie, but go do something that you enjoy doing the most and, and write about your thoughts and how you respond to that. So that's what they did. Then the second thing they had to do is now you've got to go out and do something for someone else that gives you zero uh, uh, payback in return. So it was these things. You can't even be something you do because you're going to feel good about doing it. Just to go out and do something that would give you zero in return. But in, in the end, they found out after they compared all of their notes that it was the second thing that brought more joy into their lives than the first. Why? Because we're designed to do that, to have this um, thought of, of giving, uh, living a life of giving. Jesus was the same way. It's how he lived his life. He was moved with compassion for the crowds. It says he healed the sick. Uh, but it was why? Moved with compassion. Mark chapter 14, 14 talks about that. He went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. Why? Because that's the, the, the love that he had. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. We hear about it at weddings, but it's not for that. It's about for life. It's about for living. And it says it's his kind of love. That's patient, kind, not self-seeking, not rude, not proud, not arrogant. That, that idea and that thought of love is the, the kind that, that uh, he wants in, uh, on the inside of us. And God loves like that. He loves like that. You know, there's a story in the Bible of Hosea. Heard that, uh, some uh, teaching on it this week. I was like, man, what a crazy story. Ho- if you haven't heard it, Hosea is this, uh, this guy in the Bible who God tells him, okay, Hosea, you're going to be my preacher, and this is how it's going to work. You go to the brothel and pick a prostitute named Gomer, which is like she's got two things going against her to be a wife. She's, you know, a prostitute, and her name's Gomer. And uh, he says, I want you to marry her. And he's like, what? Really? Yep. So he marries her. And then it says he falls in love with her. And, and then all of a sudden she cheats on him. He's like, no, duh. You know, you didn't see that coming. But um, he, he, he then realizes, you know, that's it. She leaves him. And what does God say to him? Go back. Go back to the brothel and buy her again. And he's like, God, I paid for her the first time and married her. Now she cheats on me. He says, this doesn't make any sense. That's not love. How is that possibly love? And he says, that, that's the kind of love that just doesn't make sense. But that's God's love. Uh, that's the type that it is. It's crazy love. It's just love when we have, you know, when we, we can't possibly let him down more than he can love. We can't, you know, even in unfaithfulness, he is faithful. And he says, there's a love that's so much stronger that when you end up in relationships and you have this kind of love inside, boy, it changes the whole ball game because now you're different. You're a different person. You're in something that, that, that works so, uh, so much differently. I, I would encourage you to think of this thought. What have I done for someone else today? How have I shown love for someone else today? Because our natural waking up tendency is to say, how can I be loved today? What can make me feel loved today? You know, marriages end, and I hear this thought so many times at the end, I just got to do something for me now. You know, I just really got to focus on me. I I need time for me. I'm not saying it's always uh, uh, avoidable. I'm not even saying that that's the main problem. But you can go down that road doing something for you, and you'll still end up empty at the end. Why? We're not designed for that. You know, the Bible talks about husbands loving their wives in Ephesians 5, laying down their lives, putting their own dreams and, and, and the, the, the things of those things aside because it's, it says, and in that success, how do we know? Watch Dragon's Den. You learn, so you know, you watch Dragon's Den, that guy, Kevin O'Leary, he's out there in the last episode of uh, the last season. Um, he's, he's talking about his real life and he says, yeah, I accomplished it all. I got wine named after me. I got, I got all this stuff, all these business, all this money and at the expense of my own family. 
And he's wiping away tears as he said, I don't know if it was worth it. Uh-huh. This kind of love helps deal, dealing with difficult people in your life because we all have them. Matthew chapter 7 talks about that. You know, don't look at the sawdust in, you, in your friend's eye. He's even talking about your friends. He says, because you probably got a plank, a two-by-four in your own. He says, don't be quick to judge having not walked in their shoes. Look in the mirror and realize, saying, hey, look at myself. What's going on in my eye? What's going on in my life? To look at those kind of things first and realize, you know what? I'm, God and I are the only people who can deal with what's in my life, which also means that God and them are the only person who can deal with with what's going on in their life. There's definitely this thought of saying, hey, we can speak into one another's lives, but not at the spot of, you know, just because it annoys you. You know, maybe you're the tough person to get along with. And it says, as you look at those things, you realize that those things are there. Colossians 3.13, do we have that one, Dakota? It says this, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Uh, that idea of being quick to forgive is something you can do with that selfless uh, giving love inside. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Being quick to forgive is one of the things that makes relationships sore. You see so many things when you start talking to people about what went wrong. Somewhere along the line, someone had trouble with that. I was wronged. I have my rights. I'm not saying at all that there's this idea of you're supposed to be walked over, that you're supposed to be abused, you're spo- any of that stuff that's not in this. We're talking about regular relationships that, that hit the rock bottom because of things like this. You know, I want to share with you that tonight that the greatest lesson we can learn from looking in the mirror, looking at the relationship we have our, with ourselves is this. It's not all about me. The greatest lesson we learn is not all about us significance. It comes from knowing who you are in God's eyes. How does he see you? Authenticity comes from being who God just created you to be. Just being you. Selfless giving love comes from choosing to love like Christ. And these three things can make, you know, you the strongest link in your relationships. They can give you the chance to to be the one who picks the brother up, picks a sister up, picks a husband, picks a wife up to be that person who's the the strength. Uh, You know, it doesn't guarantee (laughs) Let me say this. It doesn't guarantee that your relationships are going to get better. I can promise you that. Why? Because there's another person involved in the relationship. Sometimes it doesn't. But I can tell you that this, if you, if you realize and say, hey, I, you know what? I'll, I'll look in the mirror. God, speak to me on these things. Which ones uh, in me need to change? Is it significance? Is it being authentic? Is it having this selfless, giving love operating through my life? If you look at those three things, it gives you the opportunity to have relationships that are enjoyable, that are life-giving, that are bringing incredible joy and happiness into your life. And that work that the world looks at and goes, wow, how, does the, how do they have that? They have that because of who he is. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, uh, for your word. Thank you for just the thoughts that, uh, that you've uh, put and wired inside of us. The, this, the, the idea that we would find our value uh, in and from you. Tonight, I just pray over every person here. Lord, if they don't really know you, uh, God, I ask tonight that you just reveal yourself to them and reveal your incredible love to them, that they cannot uh, earn that or escape it. And and I just ask um, tonight that we would begin to live more out of that than out of our own feelings and emotions. Uh, Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that that uh, seeds that are planted in our heart grow, that you continue to, to fan the flames and, and, and uh, water the seeds in the hearts of uh, people here tonight. And God, I pray over their relationships. I, I pray that there would be the opportunity uh, 
for you to shine through uh, them as they just live your principles and live, uh, live your word. May they also be a light that shines bright for those around them, that, that it would point uh, them to you. Just thank you for that tonight. God, I pray uh, your safety over them as they travel from here. And uh, God, I thank you again for the opportunity to be a part of this family. Love you so much, Father. Uh, I just thank you again for placing a chance to, to do things like this. Uh, may we just be a blessing and encouragement to each other. In your name, for your kingdom. Amen.